Hello and welcome to the F1 Strategy Report, powered by Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator. My name's Michael Amanato, and this is Round 11, the German Grand Prix. The German Grand Prix was all about rain. Waiting for rain, dealing with rain, and, if you were Sebastian Vettel, crashing in the rain. Vettel's crash in part helped Lewis Hamilton to an unlikely win from 14th on the grid in what was a thrilling conclusion to a race that was all about thinking on your feet. To analyse how Hamilton took the lead in the Drivers' Championship, I'm joined by Formula1.com senior writer Lawrence Barreto. Lawrence, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. Got to do well after a good Grand Prix like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we weren't, then we'd have a problem, really, <laughs> as uh, people covering Formula 1. I've got to say, this from a completely different perspective, perhaps, on this race, uh, for the first time, the one-hour delay this year delivered, because otherwise we would have had one of those races where we're like, oh, was it going to rain? And then nothing would happen, but it actually worked out. Exactly. And, I mean, we were talking about the rain from the minute we got to Hockenheim, <laughs> and people were just going, is it going to rain? rain isn't going to rain isn't going to rain isn't going to rain so can you imagine if we hadn't got any of the rain and then it would have done that typical thing that it does always is it rains after the race when everyone's running about doing interviews and everyone just gets soaked because that's always what happens (laughs) i think mine are still my shoes are still soaked from china to be honest that's how bad it usually is in these situations so it worked out everyone for everyone in formula one although it did still hammer down even worse afterwards i think someone said had it actually been even later had that rain arrived earlier they probably would have had to red flag this race so that's true probably we actually got the best of both worlds it would have been it would have been far worse actually and we wouldn't have got a race and then we'd all been complaining either way so. <laughs> <laughs> so so at least we end up with something to talk about which is good <laughs> exactly. uh, it's kind of ironic though and we'll go through this as we go through the race that uh, as much as this was defined by rain and the anticipation of rain really which is what set up some of the key strategies mm. of this grand prix it was not really reacting to the rain that is what promoted people up places and what won Lewis Hamilton the race, for example, and what lost a bunch of drivers different positions. So I guess I wonder if there's just a degree of eagerness. I mean, we heard over team radio, as we normally do in races like this, every lap essentially (laughs) rain was due in the next 10 minutes. And it seemed like a couple of drivers or a couple of teams in some situations were a little bit too trigger happy in this situation. I think so. But I guess it's more that the teams were hoping for a situation to present itself to give them a a greater opportunity. Rain obviously always helps the the lesser teams the midfield teams spring a surprise and so you just had this not desperation but this desire for for it to rain the wishing um that it would rain sticking the fork in the ground hoping hoping for something um in the, in the end it didn't kind of happen in the way that we thought it was going to happen and i kind of do feel sorry for those guys like fernando alonso like gasly i think it was leclerc as well who who gambled on and rolled the dice and and, and tried something because it could have worked out brilliantly but you know, back at, gone are the days, I guess, when you had your Jensen Buttons who you could really, when when the time came and these changeable conditions went, they could go, bo- come in, box, and actually get a massive benefit from it. I think every episode on this show, I feel like we felt sorry for Fernando Alonso <laughs> for something. But he's a good example, actually, because there's uh, some radio floating around, some transcripts of him arguing with his engineer, essentially, about whether or not he should have been stopping on lap 43 for Inters. And I, I guess that contrasts differently with some drivers taking more charge or I mean he took as much charge I guess as he could but some drivers ultimately making the decision and it contrasts in a way and we will get to this but Lewis Hamilton not pitting uh, when he was as far as we can tell told to pit uh, it was a mistake really on uh, when, the, when the time came to pit behind the safety car that 
that got him the victory. But to, to really understand how he got into that position, we need to go back to qualifying where uh, Lewis Hamilton could only qualify 14th after he had a bit of a hydraulics problem. A bit of a hydraulics problem. It was totally <laughs> stopped on track. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in some respects, this was a bit of a blessing in, a disgu- in disguise, though, because... This set him up to go really long in that first stint, as we normally see these um, drivers out of position do. Start on the harder tyre, try to avoid stopping right till the end, maybe one stop or hope that something unusual will will happen, in this case, rain. Uh, That stint really set him up for this whole race. And I think this is really... If you can point to one point in this race where Hamilton really won it, it was extending his soft tyre stint to 42 laps while still being aggressive. That's it. I mean, we've seen a lot... Um, this season that when drivers are out of place um, and they've had to cut through the field especially if they're from a Ferrari, a Mercedes or a Red Bull, they've been able to kind of get back to that top six position reasonably easy, uh, easily but um, what was, like you said what was really special about what Lewis did was he managed to manage those tyres throughout that whole period while being quite aggressive I think he managed to get up into the top six within 14 laps or so so he was still pushing but he was obviously thinking forward about what he could potentially do if he could stretch the stint and obviously he wanted to try and stretch the stint until this rain that everyone's been talking about happened and it didn't quite work out like that did it no it's been interesting it would have been interesting to see how Daniel Ricciardo would have fared he had a similar strategy but started on the medium tire but his car stopped as seems to be the case with (laughs) Daniel Ricciardo in particular in most recent races but on top of that, we talk about drivers cutting through the field when they're out of position. It really felt, feels like since Monaco, the midfield has learned to be particularly mm-hmm. uh, willing to let these drivers pass because the midfield is so tight. And we'll get to some of those battles a little bit later, but Hamilton has gotten to the point now and he started out of position a couple of times or has been dropped out of position a couple of times as well, uh, where he's really faced zero opposition having to get there. Like you say, I think within 14 laps, he was fifth. Within 11 laps, he was sixth. It was... In some respects, it's an incredible comeback, right? But on the other hand, it's sort of like, it's, it looks like a bit of a demonstration run when you're watching it. Exactly. I wouldn't say that guys were jumping out of their way uh, to help Lewis get through, but I, they, they've, got, they've got the bigger picture in mind. And like you were saying, they're battling those guys just in, you know, in a couple of guys in front, a couple of cars behind. And if they start faffing about trying to race with Lewis, they're going to lose time and that's going to define their race. So it makes sense in the the bigger picture to let to let him through I guess that makes it less special in in the grand scheme of things because it kind of just means that Lewis didn't really do anything amazing to get up to to fifth in the end but at the same time you don't want to take too much away from him because he still did it reasonably quickly he's still got to go get the job done and he did it cleanly we've seen plenty of times when guys are coming through the field they've uh, they've made they've clipped another car uh maybe some damage it's not it's not completely that simple mm, no it's never easy i guess to pick through back markers uh we see that fairly often especially in fact we saw that in this race with Kimi raikkonen trying to avoid uh, kevin magnuson and a whole host of midfield cars in the rain uh while hamilton was extending that stint there was sort of an interesting sideshow that could have had an effect on the ultimate outcome of the race for sebastian vettel and Kimi raikkonen had vettel of course finished mm-hmm. the race uh and this was the fact that they pitted raikkonen early did ferrari both to cover off lewis hamilton who'd made such great progress and also to try and get in the pit pit stop window of Valtteri Bottas uh, which he did effectively do because when Bottas made his first stop he he dropped behind Raikkonen notwithstanding whether or not Raikkonen would ultimately be on a two-stop strategy Mm -hmm. Uh, but this was this moment where when they pit Vettel from the lead and he was essentially commanding the race at that at that time pretty confidently he found himself stuck behind Kimi Raikkonen. Now, there was not really any question about which driver was faster in this race, nor about which driver scored more points over the course of this season. But 
unusually for Ferrari, there was a whole lot of hesitation about swapping these drivers, which ultimately benefited both. They Well, they just did it, didn't they? It was weird. Like, because if there's a team normally yeah. on the grid that's happy to do this, it's Ferrari. And yet they kind of, they took their time to decide. And then when they decided, they didn't really say what they wanted to do. So Kimmy's going, well, can you just, can you just tell me what you want me to do? And they seemed, they just seemed really scared to say the words, didn't they? They didn't want to say, they didn't want to say, look, Timmy, this, uh, Kimmy, this is a team order. You need to move out of the way. It was it was bizarre. It's very strange, as you say, considering this is Ferrari we're talking about with such a, a long and colourful history of team <laughs> orders. But in retrospect, if we consider this race as a whole, a race where Ferrari lost a bit of the, the championship initiative, certainly Sebastian Vettel did, um, to a, what ultimately was a really decisive Mercedes outfit. And we'll talk about the team orders perhaps a little bit later between Hamilton and Bottas, yeah. but there couldn't be a more contrasting example of just being decisive on the pit wall in these moments. Exactly. And then you, I think when, as soon as Sebastian eventually got past and they finally made the, the call to let him go, um, he was three seconds a lap quicker, or he at least pulled a gap of three seconds in one or two laps. And I mean, that kind of gap can be defining, race defining. As it turned out, it might not have had an overall impact on the race. But it's little things like that. These championships going to be won on little instances like that. And, and Ferrari, I'm surprised, took so long to make a call either way. I think the, I was surprised when they boxed Kimi to try and cover off Lewis. Because in the past, when they've tried that, Kimi hasn't really been the greatest at holding that. At keeping someone behind him, so it seems odd to sacrifice him in that in that way, given past mm-hmm. scenarios. So I was surprised that they did that, to be honest. Um, and then Kimmy obviously was in this mindset that he wanted to try and stretch the stint to see if he could make a one stop work, but that would obviously make him painfully slow as he's trying to mm-hmm. keep keep the tire tire life on. So when I when when Ferrari look back, they must think both scenarios weren't really ideal in that scenario because Lewis was coming through whatever, I think, anyway, in my opinion. Mm. No, I mean, he was extremely quick and obviously Hamilton had the benefit, one way or another, whatever the situation was to be in the final stint of the race, of being on ultra-soft tyres, which were several steps softer than the soft tyre. Goodness, this gets confusing sometimes, doesn't it? But it's... uh, there's no. It seems like he would have been that kind of unstoppable force, at least against a driver uh, with the alternative tyre, the harder tyre on, by which I mean the soft tyre and not the medium yeah. tyre. There'll be a graphic that'll explain this on the website. I, I think. think I think you've got it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's all there. We've got the sort of all the information there. Uh, meanwhile, once Vettel had, of course, gotten past Reich, and we still had Lewis Hamilton extending this stint because the rain did seem to be getting closer. Uh, and I, I think, again, if we talk about exactly how... Um, precise Hamilton was with these tyres. They really took it to the maximum. In fact, they were talking the pit wall with Hamilton, asking how much further these tyres could go. And eventually he said, there's only one more lap in them, and they pitted him on that lap. It was lap 42, mm-hmm. uh, and the rain arrived on lap 43. And at this point, it seemed like that was a disaster. Like, he'd gotten so close, and then it had all gone terribly wrong for his strategy. He was one lap out from perfection. But we had this kind of weird rain, this sort of... It was sort of a little bit heavy at turn six, but that was more or less it. And then it, it sort of slowed down a little bit. And actually, what seemed like was a, a terribly unlucky situation for Lewis Hamilton ended up being exactly the right call for precisely the right tyre at the right moment. Definitely. I remember, uh, after the race, Lewis sort of said that the rain gave them the opportunity. And when he, when he saw the rain come in, he thought, this is my opportunity to win. But I can't help but feel when he first knew that the rate was coming he thought oh damn it we you know we were if we just managed to last one more lap we could have gone on to the to the inters but the irony is if he'd done that that would have probably lost him the race so you're right in kind of in that sense and how that worked out 
Um, but it, it worked out. It worked out beautifully. He was on the right tyres when he when he came out. He hung it. He hung out there like a lot of the field did. I think only a handful of drivers came in for Finters, and they were back in the pits. Um, Gasly came out and the and the full wets, which was uh, amusing <laughs> to say the least. Um, and uh, a few others came in the Inters, but it, the, most of the track was still dry. So obviously these things are, are burning up and they're, they're, they're finished. I think Leclerc said his tyres were destroyed after a couple of laps. So they had no choice but to, to, to pit and come back on the slicks. And that's kind of their race done. So for Lewis, it kind of, everything was lining up, wasn't it? And I think Bono said at the end, miracles do happen. It kind of, it was the perfect scenario for that, for, for a miracle to happen. Yeah, exactly right. So he had these two weird situations because the rain kept coming and going. And ultimately, we know after the race, it really did come down. But we had uh, four... Four drivers pit in this first brief sprinkling of rain uh, at lap 43, and oh, I guess Verstappen was slightly offset by stopping on lap 46. Weirdly enough, when those first three drivers that tried it had gone back to the slick tyres, then we had more rain arrive on lap 50, lap 51. Hulkenberg and Grosjean, Magnussen and Sainz tried the Inters then, and they all lost out as well, except for Hulkenberg in a weird way, because he had this nice gap to everybody else, uh, but also because, more importantly, when they stopped off, uh, this was under safety car conditions, because by this point, Sebastian Vettel had had almost the most gentle of accidents <laughs> to lose the the lead of a Grand Prix. He was, he was really commanding at that point, and we see, I mean, you know, you can try all you like with calling the right ties and the right strategy. At the end of the day, he was I mean, he wasn't on exactly the right tyre. He was on the soft and it was a little bit worn, but this was just ultimately a mistake rather than being on the wrong tyre. This is it. I mean, it was like when, when he slid off the track, it was like it was in slow motion. <laughs> like, you felt really bad for him because he kind of just, just drifted off into the gravel and he was turning the wheel, but you knew there was nothing he could do at that point. Um, and, I mean... He, I don't think that his the Ferrari team did anything wrong. I think he was on the right tyre, like you said, maybe slightly worn. Um, but Max Verstappen said after the race, you know, these things could have ha- these things could happen. Like it could have happened to any of them. They just put a slight wheel wrong, and they could have all made the same mistake. Um, I thought Nico Rosberg was a bit harsh. He basically said that Vettel threw it away. I think um, in his analysis after, and I think that seems pretty harsh. But but I think. It could have happened to anyone. I don't, I don't think we should be too hard on Sebastian for that for that mistake. Um, I know it's had um, massive championship implications, um, but but I think in the grand scheme of things, um, it wasn't like he he made a massive error and lost the car and, and ended sideways in the barrier, was it? No, and I thought it was it was inter- it's always interesting. I think the way Sebastian Vettel responds to these sort of big blows to championship moments in the same way after Singapore last year, for example, uh, and there were various races, even at the start of the year, I think Azerbaijan was a good example as well, where he couldn't win that when he was in a position to, is that he comes away from these races knowing that still, and this weekend was a particularly good example, arguably the first weekend this has ever really been the case, but knowing that the Ferrari car he's driving is the fastest. Like in all likelihood when we get to Hungary, it'll still be the fastest and he'll have a he'll be in a position to start earning those points back. It's a really um almost stoic Sebastian Vettel we get after these situations rather than, you know, one who's become really stroppy or really angry out of the car after having made this mistake. And I guess that just shows, like you said, the confidence that he's got in not only the car itself, but Ferrari and the way the team operate and the way they've been developing both the chassis and the and the engine. They've really been leading the way, I think, in both those areas in a way that they haven't done since at least since Sebastian's joined the team and you could argue probably even for a decade or so. Mm. So I guess he has got that confidence and that will help though I don't quite believe when he says he won't be losing any sleep over it because, <laughs> because it's a massive it, he could have left Hockenheim with at least a 16 point lead mm-hmm. um 
and he, he instead he's leaving with a 17 point deficit so there's just no way no one can honestly say that they're not losing any sleep over that because it's a massive swing whatever way you look at it and it's so slow i'm sure it's that kind of thing you will read in your mind <laughs> it's not like he didn't see it coming he saw it coming for probably 10 seconds as he hurtled towards that exactly. barrier it was just so it was very it was very emotional those 10 seconds i'm sure for him but it did have obviously an effect on his race uh, and cleared the way at the lead for other drivers to to um to take it up. In fact, it was Valtteri Bottas in the melee of wet weather driving who passed Kimi Raikkonen, who who got himself into what was first place at the time. Uh, but this caused the safety car. More importantly, this was an important moment in the race. In fact, this was uh, the decisive moment in the race. This was the moment that Lewis Hamilton was able to seize victory in this Grand Prix, although it almost wasn't meant to be. Mercedes had pitted Bottas. They decided that the right tyre to be on was a new Ultrasoft, which they put him on on lap 52. But there was this interesting tension because Hamilton was now behind Kimi Raikkonen, who was leading, as to whether or not Hamilton should be pitting. I've looked back at the transcript and listened to the audio. I'm still not 100% sure what Mercedes wanted him to do in the way that neither was he at that moment. It seemed like he should have pitted, but then when they heard Raikkonen was staying out, they initially didn't want him to pit, and then they did. Ultimately, he didn't pit, was almost penalised for it, but it wasn't. And this, I guess you could call it mistake or confusion, mm-hmm. whatever we can decide a, a word this should be identified as, is what put Hamilton in a winning position. I think I think confusion's is a, is a fair word. I'm not a, a mistake in the sense that it's not entirely clear what the exact words were. So whether it was that they were saying stay out or or not, it, it, I'm still not certain, having read it back a couple of times. And who knows, he might even change his mind as he was speaking to Lewis. Like, it, <laughs> it could have gone kind of, kind of either way. Um, l- looking back at it, Mer- Mercedes had, from what I understand it, decided that they wanted to bring both of them in. So you've, we've got a understand that at the early point they still thought that was the right scenario the interesting thing is when lewis gave them the piece of information that kimmy was pitting which they ordinarily might not have known at that point then they that's when they that put indecision into their mind so when he then crossed over the grass he knew he had a, a kind of an, a few seconds to decide not even that i guess he he made the call to stay out and i think a lot of that isn't that should be in the driver's hands anyway he's seen that kimmy's pitted he knows that an opportunity's up there so whether or not he heard exactly what the team said or if he un- indeed understood what the team said lewis i think in that point in time made a call and he thought it would be better to take the punt and stay out because then this the differential isn't it you've got kimmy gone in and you've got lewis going out and and that would have that would have meant that he had the best opportunity to win the race so I kind of see what happened there it's a really beautiful example of what as well of how much activity there is on a pit wall at a safety car moment ordinarily we're used to hearing engineers very controlled and and very measured in their tone delivering instructions that are easy to understand but there was so much chaos at this moment when the weather seemed to be coming in when there was a safety car coming out identifying where all those key a rivals and b the safety car was and you actually heard the pit wall overloaded because they were pitting Bottas at the time, so they were worrying about him as well. And in fact, at that moment, I think they didn't even have Bottas's tyres ready because they weren't sure what they wanted to put him on. Well, they had a few problems. Mm. In those situations, everything's rushed anyway, isn't it? Because you're making decisions in split seconds. And it was just unfortunate that it looked like they hadn't got the right tyres ready or they hadn't quite decided what they wanted to do. So they've got half of, half of their focus is on that. Then they, they've got very mindful of the fact they've got 
to decide pretty soon what they're going to do with Lewis. So you can understand how these kind of mistakes happen. I mean, you could say that this year we've seen a few mistakes from Mercedes now, haven't we, on the strategy side of things. And I just wonder whether after a few so many years of kind of having it their own way and basically having to decide a strategy between their own two cars that when they've now been put under pressure consistently, they are making mistakes just because they're a little bit rusty, perhaps. Yeah, and, it, and it also, I mean, it's particularly um, worthwhile to note there, yeah, it, like you say, when you're only racing yourself, you know all of the variables, right? You <laughs> exactly. pick Nico Rosberg on one lap and Lewis Hamilton on the next one. But at this point in time, it was probably even unclear exactly how many drivers were in contention to take victory from, at the time, seemed like Valtteri Bottas and then eventually Lewis Hamilton. But you had Raikkonen, obviously, around. Verstappen had made two pit stops, seemed out of contention, but then what was he doing behind the safety car, which of course bunches everybody up. So there's a lot of activity on the pit wall at that point in time. This really showed, yeah, I mean, when you've got two cars to deal with uh, an unknown situation, no one knew if the rain was getting heavier as well, that this was really, I mean, this is when I guess they're they're paid their money to make these decisions and it just worked out. Definitely. And I think the other thing was, I think with with Kimi, um, he wanted to stay out on track and Ferrari not demanded, but said, basically you need to come in and so if Kimi had done the same uh, done what he wanted to do and Lewis had followed suit because he would have then pitted I guess because he wouldn't have told them that Kimi had pitted Lewis would have pitted Kimi Raikkonen probably would have won the race so it's 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 amazing what kind of those small decisions and what the impact it has overall uh, on the result well this is sort of uh, another interesting wrinkle to the outcome of this race that I'd love to to get your opinion on like you say Raikkonen could have stayed out potentially could have been in a winning position he was on very old tyres very old soft tyres whereas as we know Lewis Hamilton was on new ultra softs Bottas too potentially and I think you mentioned this after the race that he, he sort of lamented that the safety car came at the wrong time for him not for the first time this season either and felt like possibly the win could have been his because as we said he'd sort of done that hard work in that weird wet weather situation where he passed Kimi Raikkonen and should have been in a winning position but he was pitted for what was to be fair the, the superior tyre at the time but perhaps in that situation as well you know Bottas ended up with the correct strategy because as we saw once the safety car resumption took place, he was substantially faster than Hamilton, at least for one lap as the tyre warm-up took place for Hamilton's older tyres. Yeah. So in some respect, had this race been allowed to play out, do you think we maybe should have seen more more rightly a bottas than hamilton podium? I think Bottas, if he, they were allowed to race... Um, it was inevitable that Bottas was going to get passed, providing he could put the pass on cleanly. Because as you said, he was he was so much quicker uh, than Lewis. Um, we've seen a few times this year when Bottas has had an opportunity to make a pass. He's maybe he's jinked, but he's never really put a full pass in. But I just think the speed differential between the two um, would have provided a scenario where he he could have got past Lewis. I think if Lewis had pitted, I think you're right. I think uh, Bottas would have probably gone away with the win. Um, and did you say Bottas, Raikkonen and Hamilton? Yeah, so I think that's that, that's the podium that we would have had if, if Hamilton had pitted. We are, I suppose, getting to that point realistically where these decisions have to be made though, right? And Mercedes said this was really just down to the fact that they've had a couple of poor races, they feel like they've had some bad luck, they just wanted to bring this result home at their home race, maybe their last home race for a while, which is an understandable position to take. But on the other hand, I guess this is sort of 
the the right race for Bottas to, in some respects, be told that this championship fight now belongs to Hamilton because it was kind of the ideal Bottas race, right? He did all the hard work. <laughs> he ended up in a winning position and then just kind of got unlucky, which has been his 2018 season. Definitely. I mean, anyone who's finished fifth, so five times the bridesmaid, probably is getting starting to get the feeling that they're never going to be the bride. Um I've got to feel sorry for Bottas. Um, Every time there's been a safety car, he's lost out, I think, this year. So the safety car has not been his friend. Um, In the grand scheme of things, Mercedes have had the advantage for so long and they've never really had a a a threat like Ferrari where if they make mistakes, Ferrari will pick up the pieces. And I suppose Mercedes have to look at the long game and start to think, well, if it's going to be this close, we can't afford to be losing points here, there... Um, you know, if Bottas had win one and Lewis had finished third, say, and there, there was that 10-point difference, that 10 points can make all the difference when it, in a tight battle with Sebastian. And we've talked about Sebastian's confidence already. So the threat from Ferrari is very real. And while I imagine Mercedes won't want to come out and say that they're favouring Lewis, and at the moment it doesn't sound like that's what they're doing, when they're making decisions like this, I'm sure part of it would have been they've had a lot of bad luck and they want to make sure they get both cars home. But the other part of them would be thinking, look, we need to be sensible about this and we need to be, if we want to win both championships again, we kind of have to at least start considering the options in these kind of moments. Mm, In particular on a day, A, when Sebastian Vettel didn't finish, but on a day again, even if it was somewhat begrudgingly or confusingly that Ferrari also ultimately made that same decision to back one of their drivers as they more or less have been for a long time now but really again it was when it was all going to come down to that decision it's it was an interesting path I guess that that took Lewis Hamilton to victory here it was in equal parts or let's say for 42 laps absolutely his hard work extending those tires uh and then I mean you know he credited divine intervention in his comments after the race I won't be so bold as to say it was divine intervention but then all of a sudden all that hard work all the cards then began falling in his favor and delivered him uh, what could really be an important win this season I guess you can say I mean whatever whatever it was that kind of let the cards fall in this position you make your own luck at the end of the day and Lewis did the hard work at the Mm -hmm. the start of the race and and he was paid back in whatever way uh, towards the second half of the race. He's had a lot of bad luck this year. Things haven't quite gone his way. So he will probably feel like he was owed um, a better, a better run of run of things really. And it was, it was, it was unfortunate in that at Silverstone, it was Sebastian who won in front of Lewis's home crowd. And then Lewis who won in front of Sebastian's Mm -hmm. home crowd. And I'm sure both of them would have preferred to have it the other (laughs) way. Um, But, but this is, this is sport, isn't it? And these things happen and there'll be highs and there'll be lows. And, we, who knows, we might look back at this season and Sebastian might think that was the moment I lost the championship, much like Felipe Massa might look back at the Singapore Grand Prix when the fuel hose was attached to his cars. That was the moment that he lost the championship. But, but these things happen, that's sport, and that's what defines it, and that's what keeps everyone so interested in Formula 1, I think. Mm, and the championship certainly is shaping up to be, well, hopefully continues to be exciting. We're only just halfway, don't I we? Know. We've still got so much racing to go. If we have a look down the order at a couple of the other results from this race... Uh, Raikkonen, as we said, finished third. Max Verstappen, fourth. A little bit on his own after being one of those early adopters of intermediate tyres and ultimately having to go back on that decision. But Nico Hülkenberg to finish fifth. A big result for Renault. And Romain Grosjean, I suppose, somewhat quietly for a driver who any result that he gets really these days is impressive for Romain. Poor old Romain. Uh, Finished sixth behind him, despite both being on that 
uh, intermediate strategies, I guess we could call it, of, of trying those intermediates and switching back to the ultra soft tyres. The only drivers who kind of managed to make that work, and you know what I think is a really good example of how powerful that ultra soft was at the end. Grosjean did drop a bunch of places when he made those that switch onto and then back off the intermediate tyre. I think he dropped it down to tenth and still finished yep. sixth because he was so much faster than everyone else. Yeah, he had that. He had the. I think it was the last ten laps um, where he passed four cars to get back up to sixth from tenth and. You could real, really see it was a, it was a mixture of obviously the fresher tyres um, that gave him the advantage over it, but it it was nice to quite see the hunger back mm-hmm. from Roman. I think he's had a tough tough year, easy to get down. I think he did get down, and then he had that positive result in Austria where he got fourth, and he had a tough re- uh, result last time out. But he's you know he's back on it, and it was just it was quite nice to see that he managed to pull something out of nothing really because it could have been a terrible day Kevin Magnussen I was watching some onboards actually of Kevin because I was I was confused when watching the race as to how Kevin ended up mm-hmm. behind Roman having spent most of the race in sixth but it just so happened that when it started to rain he just couldn't he couldn't drive as quickly as everyone else so he was tiptoeing round lost a bunch of places Roman just bolts past him on the same tyres just bolts past him and it's just interesting to see that you know we talk often about drivers and how they excel in changeable conditions but some drivers don't excel in those conditions and that was that was an example of how things didn't go so well for Kevin who's had a probably a, a, a far stronger season than Roman this year. Yeah and it's sort of an interesting reversal of roles for those drivers because in some respects I feel like Magnussen has marked himself out as a driver who can really get on top of a car that just sort of is behaving a little bit inconsistent, inconsistently, kind of like Haas has over the last couple of years, whereas Grosjean, he feels very specific, doesn't he? Yeah. We know he struggles with brakes over the years. He he really wants the car to be set up in a way so he can, I think, aggressively enter corners, whereas in this situation where the weather was all over the shop and where the car was obviously behaving differently to the way it normally does in those conditions, he was the man who really stood above the rest and, and delivered a good result and one of the, the few good results, weirdly, that Haas has this season uh, in Race. Definitely, and it was threatening to all go wrong for Haas. I mean, like you said, Haas have had a really strong car this year. They've probably had the fourth best car overall, and yet they're not fourth in the in the constructors championship, and not by a long way. That's Renault at the moment. And um, when they decided to pit both cars, for instance, obviously that we know with hindsight that was the wrong call. But you've got a team like Force India who chose to stay out, and I guess that just shows that they're the, they're two of the, quite similar teams now fighting for a similar position. You've got the experience of Force India coming through there, and they could they could see that that was the, the best the better decision. And I guess maybe just with an inexperience, has made the wrong call. They perhaps took the what would ordinarily have been the safer option because if it had rained. The safer option was to get on the tyres that you would think you would need to be in the safe situation. So you kind of see why they made that decision in the in in the end. But it meant they lost track position to Nico Hulkenberg and both Force Indias. And as it was, Roman managed to gather gather a couple of places back and um, get both Force Indias back. But he wasn't able to get Hulkenberg in the end. Um, whereas um, Kevin Magson couldn't. He ended up outside of the points, and that was a, a double points finish loss. As you say, contrast interestingly to Force India, who stuck to their guns and it sort of shows I mean other than Hulkenberg and Grosjean the two drivers who managed to to get up there despite switching to the Inters it was Perez and Ocon for Force India even Marcus Ericsson (laughs) Uh, for Sauber, who showed that staying, just sticking firm with your tyres uh, ended up being the right decision. Despite this race hinging on rain, it was actually, in some respects, not responding to the rain uh, that, that that got them the points. Often we talk about it being a bold decision to kind of respond to the weather and go in and take tyres. And more often than not, that actually does tend to be the result in the 
the the better option or the more risky option. But it was a risk for those guys to stay out because the rain could have intensified and they could have just gone backwards and it would have been race over. So I guess we've got to give credit to those guys who did kind of roll the dice and choose to stay out <laughs> rather than responding to what everyone else is doing. And and it's worked out for, for Marcus Ericsson in a way that it hasn't really worked out this year. It's all been Charles Leclerc, really, isn't it? And and I guess for, for Marcus, he will probably feel that it's time and all that something worked out for him and he had the right strategy this time, whereas they Salwood pitted Leclerc and Fred Vasseur admitted it was, it was a mistake to have done that. Mm, and I suppose we can say, in some respects, a similar thing to Brendan Hartley, who managed to deliver a result uh, for only the second time this year, a points result, I think that's right. Uh, he pitted for Ultrasofts. He was one of the drivers who sort of took that third option, pitted for Ultrasofts behind the safety car. That was really the right call. If we look at the end of the day, Hartley had the right call along with Bottas and Raikkonen to pit behind that safety car. And ultimately that got him a point when most of the rest of the midfield kind of stumbled with their decision. So a good result considering he continues to be under fire at Toro Rosso. Yeah, he's he's another one who's had a difficult year. But as I understand it, Hartley actually made that call to, to do that. And I think that, that stands him in really good stead because I think that will really help his standing in the team that he's kind of stepping up and, and being ready to make those calls. Because I think at that point, it could have gone either way. And if he hadn't made that call, he probably wouldn't be standing here with another point on the board. And when you're under pressure, every point counts, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? So <laughs> so a big result for him. And it was a big race. It was an interesting race. It gave us tension. Uh, it gave us rain, even if at the end of the day, the rain didn't have the effect we all thought it would have, at least for most of the drivers. And it gave us an interesting twist in the championship fight with Lewis Hamilton emerging the victor in the new championship leader. Lawrence, it's been a pleasure to look back on this race with you. Oh, thanks very much for having me, Michael. That was Formula1.com senior writer Lawrence Barreto. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast powered by Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator. You can get every episode by subscribing on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you normally get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review to help other F1 fans find the show. You can also read the written report at f1strategyreport.com and stay up to date by finding us on Facebook and on Twitter. My name's Michael Aminato. You can find me at Michael Amanato on Twitter and I'll catch you in just a week's time for a wrap-up of the Hungarian Grand Prix.